You're listening to a Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual Last week, I started the show with a little rant about an Irish politician named Iris Robinson who has since made huge news all over the world for her dalliances, for her hypocrisy. And uh, it was a Savage Love listener, a Lovecast listener in Great Britain who tipped us off. Thanks again, David. I think we were the first out there with some commentary about Iris Robinson. Unfortunately, because I I recorded those comments at the very beginning of the scandal, it was before a lot of the really juicy shit had come out. So we're going to have to start again this week. I'm sorry with the sad tale of Iris Robinson. Um, you may recall from last week that Iris famously is a rabidly anti-gay politician who has said things like there can be no viler act apart from homosexuality than sexually abusing children. And it turns out that 60-something Iris Robinson was having an affair with a 19-year-old uh, Iris Robinson, who said that uh, homosexuality is an abomination and gay people uh, were to be condemned and that it was the government's job to enforce the word of God uh, as written in the Bible, which, of course, would now call for the stoning of Iris Robinson. I would – I graciously uh, am going to ask the Irish – Northern Ireland's government not to have Iris Robinson stoned because I'm – I'm big-hearted that way. But what's really amazing now is that it wasn't just the 19-year-old cafe owner with the money she was raising and the kickbacks to her fucking church and all this batshitness. Listen to this. Iris Robinson had an affair with a teenager she had known from the age of nine. That's just wrong. And who was in an emotionally vulnerable position following his father's death. And it emerged last weekend that Iris Robinson had also had an affair with the 19-year-old's father, a butcher who died from cancer. Hopefully the affair took place before he died of cancer. And she had another affair with a fellow member of parliament in the 1980s, which was witnessed by security staff at parliament. Now, I want to be gracious. I want to be nice. Actually, I want to trot out the cliche that everyone's trotting out. You know, here's to you, Mrs. Robinson, because... You've really done your part to discredit all the anti-gay ranters out there. A few more scandals like yours, and they seem to be coming in massive ropey spurts these days. And it really won't be long before a majority of straight folks wake up and realize that anti-gay ravers like Iris Robinson come in just two flavors. There are assholes who are externalizing their own internal struggles against their own gay natures and desires. Ted Haggard, Larry Craig... Charlie Crist, Joseph Ratzinger, and there are assholes who are attempting to compensate for and draw attention away from their own moral failings by attacking gay people. Think David Vitter, Mark Sanford, John Enside, Newt Gingrich, and of course, Iris Robinson. Soon, you won't be able to beat up gay people in public rhetorically. You won't be able to, like, trot out Leviticus and scream and yell about how immoral gay people are without people looking at you and thinking... That dude's either sucking cock or banging teenagers, teenage girls. That dude is an adulterer. That, there's something up with that dude. When somebody goes out of their way to attack the gays, they're not really telling you anything about the gays, but they're telling you something about themselves, and they should be presumed to have skeletons in the closet, 
dead butchers, 19-year-olds, and all the rest uh, until proven innocent. Blah, blah, blah. Thank you, Iris Robinson, for doing your part. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage today for details. Hi, Dan. My name is Elise, and I'm actually calling on behalf of my cousin. Uh, Her problem is that she is 25 with three kids living in a tiny, tiny town in uh, South Texas where people tend to be very religious and racist and homophobic and generally unenlightened about things, even though they do have their charms. Um, And so she has a boyfriend, or I think they may actually be engaged, uh, with whom she had a baby last summer. And uh, he, they've been together for, I think, a little over a year. And uh, I actually really like the guy. Unfortunately, he fucked up hardcore a few months ago, and um, he committed a crime, and I'm not entirely sure what it was. I just know it involved a gun and going into someone's property, I possibly to rob them. I'm not sure. Um, and I know that they had come upon, my cousin and he had come upon hard times, and so So, I don't know. I'm likely to forgive people for things. So, anyway, he got himself thrown in jail. And he may be there for a couple of years. And so, in the meantime, you know, my cousin is supporting him, and she's going to visit him all the time, and she loves him so much. And that's great. Uh, But she has met someone else. And she has started fucking him. And I don't think it's going to turn into anything. I think they're just having sex. Uh, But my cousin feels insanely guilty and really, really guilty. And the one or two people that she's told um, in her, I guess, social group about this think that she is a fucking whore and how could she not stand by her man and all of this bullshit. And I just told her, I, I, he fucked up, man, and he's going to be gone for a really long time, and regardless of whether or not you work it out, I sort of think you have a right to get, you know, what you need, either on the side or break up with him, I don't know. So that's, I guess, what I'm asking you about, is if, if your boyfriend or husband or whoever is in jail for a really fucking long period of time... Do you have the right to go out and fuck other people while they're gone? I'm still reeling from Iris Robinson, so let me see if I follow you here. Your cousin, who has lots of kids uh, and is kind of a mess, sounds like, is fucking other people while her one true love is in prison. And is that okay? Well, sure. If it's okay with her one true love who's in prison, people you know, have to make allowances when they're away uh, or put away. And a lot of people in long distance relationships, and there really isn't uh, more of a distant relationship, I think, than that between a woman and the man she loves who's incarcerated. A lot of people in LDRs have don't ask, don't tell policies for the time of their separation. And people are allowed to do what they need to do while they're apart to stay sane. But again, this is an agreement that your cousin needs to explicitly or implicitly hammer out with her 
one true love while he's in prison. What has he asked of her? Has he asked her to remain faithful to him and go without in the interim? Or has he asked, or has he given her explicit or implicit permission to do what she needs to do to stay sane so that she can be there for him when he gets out? Now, given your cousin's track record with birth control, I hope whoever it is that she's seeing, if indeed she wants to be with the incarcerated one when he's released. I hope whoever it is that she's seeing in the interim is fucking her in the ass. I was emotionally and mentally abused by both my parents growing up, and I don't have a relationship with my father anymore, but my mother, who was emotionally and physically and sexually abused as a child, never sought help and kind of took it out of me and my sister. Uh, I went and had therapy. I forgave her for what I needed to what I forgave her for private. Uh, had to sit down with her and talk to her about my feelings. We worked them out. We have a great relationship now. However, I recently started dating a young woman, and we're seven months in, and one month ago, she dropped a bomb on me that she is very much into uh, being the dominant in a BDSM relationship, and I am not on board with that for obvious reasons. Uh, it would just bring far too many skeletons out of my closet that I have kept nicely in there and addressed and everything. Uh, I told her about this, and I'm really just not interested in it. But since in the months since she dropped this on me, and we've talked about it, and I told her no thank you because I had experimented once, both being the dom and the sub, it wasn't for me. And since then, our love life has sat, has slumped, and also she's becoming more and more distant. So I'm thinking, should I just go ahead and rip off the Band-Aid now and end it peacefully, or should I try to have a sit-down? Because the relationship prior to that emotionally was wonderful, and I thought there was potential for marriage. So should I end it? Should I address it? And depending on which one I do, how should I go about it without totally screwing things up, even though BDSM is completely off the table? Second question is, it's a completely unrelated problem, is where I work is there is a openly gay man there who is convinced that I am a closet case and has not come out yet and will not stop making passes at me and one time even leaned in to kiss me while we were stocking shelves together and I don't want to make a public spectacle of myself by making male-on-male sexual harassment charges against him, but I have also very firmly told him no, and he will not leave me alone. So, what is my course of action? I would love to hear what you have to say. Sounds like you guys have a wonderful relationship, a great emotional connection, but it sounds like you're sexually incompatible, and you might want to tear that Band-Aid off now. I would encourage you, though, first to run out and buy or order Daniel Bergner's excellent book, The Other Side of Desire. Uh, There's a profile. He profiles uh, people with different paraphilias or kinks or fetishes or really out there sex lives. And one of the persons he follows and profiles is the sexually dominant woman who's insanely sadistic uh, in a good positive way. She only takes it out on people who want to uh, suffer. And she has a long-term partner, her husband, I believe. And he's not kinky and they don't do S&M together, but they have a really strong emotional bond and a wonderful relationship and they have great uh, vanilla sex with each other. And she explores her sadistic stuff, her BDSM interests with other guys and other women uh, that share her desires. So there's a model out there for you where you could stay in this wonderfully uh, 
rewarding emotional relationship provided that she can and will and does enjoy vanilla sex with you and she can live this other part of her life with others if you can wrap your head around that sort of uh, timeshare agreement with a spouse or a girlfriend. As for the coworker, you need to go to uh, human resources or whatever right now and you don't have to bring charges of sexual harassment. You have to say this is happening. This is very fucking annoying even if it gets his ass fired even in this economy. He needs to learn, this guy, that no means no and sexual harassment is wrong even when gay dudes do it to straight dudes who are a little too nice and a little too accommodating, a little too tolerant. He needs to lose his job now. Hopefully he's got ambitions beyond stocking shelves, wherever it is you guys are stocking shelves. And if he doesn't learn now that this sort of workplace behavior is unacceptable, he may five or ten years down the road lose a job he really likes and really values because he's still engaging in this kind of unacceptable behavior at work. So don't feel bad if you get his ass fired. It may be what he needs uh, at the moment because there's a lesson that he needs to learn and you can help teach it to him. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like the Savage Lovecast. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Available now, the collected unabridged short stories of Oscar Wilde. If you'd like to feel even gayer after listening to this podcast, I'd urge you to go download that. Again, go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage for a free audiobook download of your choice today. Hey, Dan. Um, I'm a 26-year-old gay guy from the south. Um, well, not from the south. I live there. I'm, I'm uh, moving up north, actually. I've been dating somebody for, oh, about six months, and um, we decided not to continue the relationship distance-wise and everything else, but we decided to kind of stay together while we were still, um, while we were still living close because it was about a month off before I moved. So, um we uh we stayed really close and you know all through all through the holidays and everything else just because you know it kind of sucks to be alone on the holidays too and so we stayed close all the way through there and then i find out right afterwards right after like new years or whatever that um he's 24 and he's been messing around with an 18 year old the whole time that or not the whole time but for at least the, the last part of this whole whole thing that was going on and um I just uh, wanted to wanted to call and ask, and I, I I talked about it with one of my friends, and he got really mad that I was upset about, it. like I had no right to be upset at all. Now, granted, I probably shouldn't have, even knowing that the relationship was going to continue, I probably shouldn't have stayed with him for so long, or like done that to myself, uh, and just just hung out there all the time. But uh, we were still spending every other night together and everything else, and I just want to know if I had a had a reasonable way or reasonable reason to be to be upset that that he would do that. You don't need his permission to be upset. You have a right to your own feelings. Sounds dumb, frankly. It sounds like the messy end to uh, a relationship that neither of you really had that much invested in. He should have told you about the 18-year-old. He didn't. There are you know, disease issues at risk. If he was sleeping with somebody else, he would have a right to know about that. It might have upset the apple cart. and you know Maybe he was trying to be considerate of your desire not to be alone over the holidays so he didn't tell you about this guy who he was auditioning for his new boyfriend once you left. Who knows? But you have a right to be upset. You have a right to feel like he did something wrong in not telling you about this other guy's existence. But really, how much anger and angst do you want to invest in what is a relationship that's over? I don't think you want to invest as much as it sounds like you're investing based on you know my reading of the tone of your voice on this call. It's over. It was messy. It's over. Let it go. Hey, Dan. Um, 
I'm a 20-year-old woman in a relationship, and this isn't necessarily a sex question, but it's related to sex. I've never, ever, ever wanted children. I'm a nanny. I know what children mean. Like, I I want them, but recently I've been having these daydreams of, of being pregnant and, like, having babies, and every day it's like a battle to take my birth control pill. I'm like, I can't have babies because I'm in school, and I'm 20 years old, and, like, it'd just be the worst decision of my life. But every day I just keep thinking about about babies, and I don't know how to stop. I don't know. Um, can you yell at me and, like, tell me it's the worst idea ever to have a baby? I'm only playing your call so that if there's any guys out there who are fucking you who recognize your voice, they can know to fuck you in the ass. Um lest they get you pregnant because you've somehow decided subconsciously to press the self-destruct button that is a baby. That's what's going on here. There's something about your life, your the work you're doing, your schooling. You just want to upset the apple cart. You want to flip over the table and knock dinner onto the floor. And that's kind of what the, the baby symbolizes because it would ruin everything. It would destroy your life. It would make everything that you're doing right now impossible. Don't have a baby for that reason. You can change your life without having to be the victim in the play and having to like get pregnant and oh my god and then everything has to change. Don't press the self-destruct button, baby. You gotta, if you want to make changes, make changes. If you know you're being a little irrational about your birth control pills, please don't have sex with anybody. Please don't do that to some innocent, unsuspecting guy who's too stupid to put a condom on in addition to uh, relying on your birth control. Guys out there who might be listening always wear a condom with someone who you don't know for sure is on birth control because you just never know when someone's going to uh, go a little nuts and press the baby self-destruct button hi dan i'm a 16 year old straight female in a somewhat small town i wanted to ask about a problem i've been having pretty much since i hit puberty i'm really only attracted to older men I'm not very fond of the company of anyone my age. At school, I can fake it and pretend I'm having fun with people my age in an effort not to alienate what are supposed to be my friends, but I don't want to do this in my romantic life. I'm tired of high school. I don't like it. I don't like being the standard of academic excellence. All my real friends are older and always have been. I was a gifted child and have always been more mature than my peers. The one boyfriend I've ever had was over the summer. He was 22. He ended up breaking up with me because of our age gap. On occasion, he still contacts me to tell me he likes me and misses me, but he says he's internally tormented by the fact that he's so attracted to me, a girl of only 16 years. I'm kind of in a paradox here. The guys I like, sophisticated, smart, polite, they have too high of morals to be involved with me because I'm so young. I don't want to wait a couple more years until my relationships with older guys are socially acceptable, but I don't know what else to do. Should I date guys my age to get experience, even though I don't have legitimate feelings for them? I would really appreciate your help. I have no good answer for you. All I can tell you is the same thing that I have to tell, you know, gay 16-year-olds who are stuck in high schools in small towns where there's no one to date because they're the only gay kid for a million miles in any direction, which is bide your time. You're 16. You can't expect, you know, older guys to date you uh, 
because there's some risk there, if not legally, certainly socially. And you'll come into your own. Uh, read. Learn things. Go places. Hang out with people that you have some rapport with, even if you're not going to date them. And don't get bitter over the next, really, two, two and a half years before you can head off to college. And then you can meet guys who are older, guys who are grad students. You can meet horny professors and horny TAs who are much older. And be in, you know, colleges are often the ingathering of all the people like you from all over the country into, you know, little hothouse towns where you can hang out. At college, you'll meet all the other social misfits because social misfits are likelier to go to college uh, than the people whose whole lives revolve around how happy they are in high school, really. Uh, and, you know, go to a college, go to a big school, big school with, you know, 50, 60,000 kids, and there'll be lots of folks uh, like you and lots of folks who want to date you. But in the meantime, just going to have to suffer, sorry, and suck it up and know that your time will come. Hey, Dan, my question is how, how do you fucking, how do you hit on a waitress or a bartender? Or anyone else who's obliged to be nice to you? Is it is it possible? Are you just an asshole if you try it? Um, you know, I, I I know these are you know men and women who get hit on constantly, but um, obviously lots of guys uh, misinterpret things when someone in customer service is nice to them, and, and that's you know that's sad. But you can still be aware of that and still want to hit on uh, hit on one of them. Um, you, you know, you, you don't want to put them in a weird place, and if it's a place that um, you frequent, you, you might want to, you know, be able to go back in, in the very likely event that, you know, you get rejected. Um, the only thing I can think of is to become a regular uh, and, you know, talk with them, tip well, be nice and respectful, and kind of see if they volunteer more personal information and then play it by ear. But, yeah, um, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, so help. Thanks, Dan. Nobody who waits tables or bartends wants to be hit on by customers and they complain about it endlessly uh, because they are in a position, as you say, where they they have to be nice, they have to be solicitous, they have to be even a little flirtatious. That's the, that's the mode here in America with service folks. And that can be misinterpreted by adults and waiters and bartenders bitch about it constantly when folks misinterpret their solicitousness for sexual interest. Uh, Except when a customer that they want to fuck hits on them. And then all bets are off. Then the waiter or bartender is only too happy to have been hit on. And that really is in any sort of circumstance where you meet somebody. It's not okay to uh, make a pass at someone on the bus unless that person wanted you to make a pass at them. Uh, That always, in you know, hindsight and retrospect, uh, absolves the pass of its creepiness. You're free to make passes at people. You're free to ask people out. You are, and I say this as somebody who waited tables to put himself through school, you are practically the kind of customer who we want in a way to hit on us because you're sensitive to the issues around you know, the social dynamics of being the waiter or the waitress or the bartender and you sound like a thoughtful, slightly inhibited non-jerk and uh, those are the guys who don't hit on you when they're attracted to you uh, when you're waiting tables or bartending because – they figure that you probably wouldn't welcome that. And so the only guys who do hit on you uh, if you're a woman and you're waiting tables are the assholes with no filters, the assholes who aren't necessarily as, as considered or thoughtful. You can give somebody your phone number and say, this is my phone number. If you want to hang out sometime, give me a call. If not, don't worry about it. Uh, you probably get hit on all the time. You're really attractive and I know you have to be nice and if I misinterpret it, blah. And just then you know, back out of the room. And if she calls, great. If she doesn't call – 
tip just as well as you were tipping before. Uh, and she won't mind. She'll get over it. Remember, folks, making a polite, courteous, respectful uh, pass at someone that gives them a way out is a compliment. And you don't have to be too much on the rack about it. Hey, Dan, this is uh, 35, single, hetero, male, uh, East Coast. Got a few things. I uh, just listened to a recent podcast. They're talking about you had a fat guy who lost the weight and is having a hard time getting over his self-consciousness. Uh, like you, I was fat in middle school, uh, junior high, high school, and a lot of women have found it uh, quite nice to be with a man now who has a little bit of humility understanding what it's like to be on the side of the coin now that I've skinnied out, tall out. So uh fellow who's uh, losing the weight, keep doing it, do it for yourself. But realize that there are advantages that come with some of this negative stuff. Um, number two, I kind of have an issue with you on your, uh, on this, go out and fuck this guy. Go out and fuck, fuck, fuck. Well, one thing as a breeder, and as, this isn't coming from a religious right standpoint, but we're kind of losing the sacred in sex, you know. And uh, when, when we know that going out and intercourse, 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 there's no 100% uh, effective way of, Stopping, uh, stopping pregnancies, I think it's a little bit, uh, I don't know, it just seems a little bit not right to be sitting there promoting folks going out and, and doing that. There are a lot of other ways to reach that connection and realizing that, uh, you know, having intercourse may result in the child. I think it's a pretty sacred thing, and it's important to, I don't know, I've, I've always felt like if I'm not ready to have a baby with that person, that I probably shouldn't be ejaculating them. Um Third thing, and this I hope I can get some help now. I criticized you is, uh, you know, I've had the craziest thing happen about a year and a half ago. Uh, my partner, who I'm planning on marrying once uh, once my state finally gets on the street with the whole gay marriage thing, is uh, we were in a passionate lovemaking session. Intercourse, she was on top, um, pulled out, and. My penis was like 20% bigger than it has ever been. I've never had it happen before. I mean, this was when I was, what, 32, 33, so it wasn't like 18, 19-year-old hormones going on. Um, it's just, and I've never had it happen since. Uh, both of us looked at it like it was shining and gold, and so what's that all about? Oh, yeah, sex can be sacred. I've, uh, I know that for a fact. I've had that uh, sacred, sacred sex. Uh, I've had some of it with the, you know, guys that I initially began having unsacred sex with, and then it gets more sacred as we go. Uh, I would describe my relationship with my partner in that way. Uh, so I'm totally down with sacred sex, and I'm also down with, you know, sex is important. I'm permissive. I think people have a right to make up their own minds about sex. I think people should have permission to make up their own minds, which means they can say yes or they can say no for whatever reason they want. Uh, some people don't want to have cheap, meaningless sex with anybody, and they always want it to be super-duper, God-on-a-cracker sex. And I think they should go for that. I think they're going to be disappointed because that – really elevates sex to puts it up on a pedestal that it that it doesn't belong on and that it can't sustain because sex is messy and people are inept and it takes a while to build a connection and la di da di da and you kind of set yourself up for disappointment if you believe sex is always going to be 
this, you know, sort of mind blowing aura connection hoo ha. Uh, a lot of the times it's just going to be physical and necessary and, uh, you know, perhaps hopefully hot and interesting. Uh, but if you're expecting a lot of, you know, sparkly dream catchers to be floating over your bed every fucking time you have sex, you're going to be disappointed. Um, it's not to say it can't be sexy. And yeah, you should be careful about who you ejaculate in, particularly if that person is a nanny who's having trouble taking her birth control pills because she wants to push the self-destruct button. I would urge you not to ejaculate in her right now. As for your question, like why your dick was so big that one time you yanked it out, I think the detail uh, that tells us perhaps what was going on was that she was on top, you said, uh, when this happened. And she pulled out and you were big. The... Uh, veins or arteries that can never keep them straight that carry the blood out of your penis uh you know when you get an erection the blood flows in uh and those uh you know tubes that carry the blood into your penis are deep inside and the veins or arteries can never remember which that carry the blood out are kind of on the surface and exposed and more of them uh are toward the top so if your penis was in her and it got crimped and some of those uh, because the position you were in, some of those veins or arteries that carry the blood out were cut off or, you know, there was pressure so w- the blood couldn't leave uh, as quickly as it was arriving. It would function kind of like a cock ring then. And uh, a cock ring, if it's tight enough, will make your erection appear to be larger than it would if you weren't wearing a cock ring. So you might have just uh, seen what a cock ring can do for you without actually having to put one on. And thank you for the feedback. It was sacred. I consider feedback sacred. Sex, not so much. Hi, Dan. I'm just finished listening to your first podcast of 2010. And the woman that called in asking you why men don't look at um, the vaginal area and they're always looking at breasts and, and butts. And I listened to your answer about it being a health issue and women that have large breasts will produce a lot of milk, and that's not true. I'm a woman with large breasts, uh, 38 double D, and my my firstborn was diagnosed as borderline failure to thrive because I was breastfeeding her and I couldn't produce enough milk for her to be nutri- uh, have enough nutrition. So I'm not sure where you got that fact from, but I just wanted to... Um, straighten you out that that's inaccurate. Hi, Dan. My name is Jeff. I'm calling about your last podcast. Uh, two comments. Number one, about the uh, Christmas Santa Naked Men website. Uh, I actually went there. I thought it was really cute. And uh, it kind of reminded me of a Christmas card my partner and I made uh, shortly after we moved in together. He dressed up as a leather Santa Claus and uh, with the full white beard and a leather mask and a Santa hat. And I was bare-ass over his knee getting spanked with a leather paddle, and that was um, the front of our Christmas card for our very special friends. And on another topic, um, the man that has ALS, uh, I would suggest spending the rest of his time traveling, um, buying companionship, doing whatever the hell he wants, rack up thousands of dollars of credit card debt, when he can't uh, handle it anymore, hopefully have the drugs laid aside so he can take his own life when he's ready and uh, stick it to the credit card companies. I don't want to endorse any illegal activities. And I would hate to see any harm come to one of America's compassionate, understanding, benevolent credit card companies. But I'm playing your call 
your feedback call, uh, just so that all points of view are heard here on the Lovecast. Uh, and we're going to leave it there with ripping off a credit card company. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a call for a future show, 206-201-2720. You download us every week at thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read the Savage Love Letter of the Day. And me and the tech savvy at Risk Youth, we'll be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. Mm-hmm.